In this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be previewing the first leg of the Champions League tie with Liverpool with Steven Drennan. We'll be previewing the Sassuolo game, reviewing the Napoli and Roma games, this week's Mochi, Moratti and Frog, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, only on Sempre for Inter.com. And check again! It's a back on level terms. A touch of good fortune about the way the chance came about. Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. I'm your host, Nima Tavallo wishing you all back to a very important week, uh, as is now common in the world of Inter, as it's a big match pretty much every three days. Um, and it doesn't get much bigger than the Champions League tie in the round of 16 against Liverpool, one of the biggest teams and clubs historically, as well as the best clubs if teams in the world right now. But before we get to all of that, let me begin by introducing my panelists, starting with Semprinter.com's preview writer, Mr. Positivity himself, Mr. Mohamed Nassar. How are you doing, Mo? I'm doing very well. Looking forward to this episode. Yes, so am I, especially the Napoli thing, because that equaliser, I think it will be, you know, Jekyll and, and that equaliser is worth its weight in gold. But we'll get we'll, we'll get to all that. And we're also joined by Semprinter.com's feature writer. Uh, he writes a column called Five Things We Learned From Into This Week, Mr. Jake Smalley. Good evening. Um, I can't be alone in this, but I'm actually really emotionally exhausted watching into it at the moment. So uh, <laughs> this could be quite cathartic for me. Well, that's good. That's good. Well, we're, we're, we're here for you, Jake. Um, and we are also joined by a very special guest. Um, he writes for Empire of the Cop, uh, Liverpool.com, Critic Football, and he's the co-founder of Cracker Stats and quite the statistics nerd, all the way from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, where he is melting, he said, before we started recording. Welcome, Mr. Stephen Drennan. Thank you very much. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. And yes, it's quite hot today. It's like nearly 40 degrees, I guess, outside in the sun. So uh, I'm melting. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, like I am a bit jealous because you had ice cream, you said, quite a few oh, popsicles, yeah. um, <laughs> which is which is always nice when it's hot. Right. Um, let's uh, let's start with this with the Liverpool game, because it is a big game. Um, I want to see a little bit. I wanted to ask you a little bit in terms of data, given that that's your strength. Um, I wanted I wanted you to compare or not compare, but maybe how Liverpool how Liverpool play in and and how you, what kind of a game you expect to see against Inter and what weaknesses do you think Inter have that Liverpool will will use and the other way around. What do you see it from a data point of view? Sure. Well, the first thing to say really is it's it's really really hard to try and compare teams across leagues. Uh, and the reason things is that, uh, the reason main reason is, is that everything isn't always equal. Like for example, there's um, a lot more fouls given in Italy than there is in England. It's like mm. uh, nearly 14 in Italy per game, per team, whereas it's like near 10 in England. And I don't think mm. it's because in Italy, it's like a dirtier league or the tackle harder or anything like that. If anything, people usually say the opposite when they, they move to England, it's like, oh, the tackling's a lot harder. Um, I think it's just simply the way it's refereed. Um, things are allowed to go a lot in England. Things aren't allowed to go in Italy. And I think um, th- that big difference is, is um, something that a lot of players maybe struggle with when they come to England. They're used to, like, in transitions, I guess, you get a nudge and you go down and you get a foul. And in England, in a transition, you get a bump, you go down, you won't get a foul, you just lose the ball. So then you end up having to, like, try to stay on your feet more and try to battle through it. 
Um, and, and so that's the, the main thing is that I would say is that uh, I think that's a, a pitfall people always fall into when they're trying to compare leagues is they they don't take into account the fact that everything is so different. It's the same sport, but it's judged and refereed and played entirely differently across leagues. Um, what I would say is that Inter are the kind of dominant team, I guess, in, in Serie A at the moment in terms of underlying numbers. Um, I sent you a graph and, and you can share it um, when, when you post the episode. But basically, in, in terms of underlying numbers of XG, um, which is based on shots um, and the probability of those shots resulting in goals, um, Inter's just improving and improving and improving. And they're, they're basically at the sort of levels of peak Barcelona, I guess, in terms of dominating XG in games for an inconsistent period of time. Um, and they're really, really strong. But again, that's in Italy, and I've no idea how that compares to when you're playing a team like Liverpool uh, in another league until it actually happens, Um, because there aren't teams like Liverpool in Italy. So it it makes it really hard to compare. The the other sort of strong team in Italy would be, say, AC Milan. And then when you watch AC Milan play Liverpool, it kind of wasn't that hard a game for for Liverpool in the San Siro. They they had like a a team of largely fringe players, um, and there's loads of reasons for that. But, but it makes it very hard just to compare because the rare times that an English team plays an Italian team, you can't really draw too many conclusions from it because it's just one game. Mm. So th- that's the thing I would always say is that until the game actually happens, it's still a football match and there will be some surprises and, and, and things that you're not ready for. Um, so, yeah, there's that. The one thing I would say is there's lots of things that are, like, strong for one team and weak for another. Like, for example, Liverpool, the, the rate Liverpool team um, catches teams offside in Europe at the moment is ridiculous. It's, they're just, like, a massive outlier for catching teams offside. The pros and cons of that, obviously, is it kills a lot of attacks early. You play a ball forward offside, Liverpool get the ball back, and you just don't get an attack. And the drawbacks are, and they just need to get that right once. You just need to break an offside trap once and you score. So... So, so there's like a big pro and a big con there. And uh, it could be that Liverpool end up just killing a lot of Inter attacks all night and it gets very frustrating for Inter and nothing happens for Inter's attack. Or it could be they just break that offside trap a couple of times early and that's it. And, and you're 2-0 up. And, and it's just that variance of how things work out. Little individual moments can just define a whole tie. Um, and, and I think that's where we're at with this game is it's a case of how things break for certain teams. That's a really good point. Um, one thing that I've that I've been saying for quite some time, and the, the reason why I've been dreading this game is, one of the things that I that scares me a lot is when Inter do this thing where they lose possession in transition, which is always dangerous against all teams, but against Liverpool particularly, who are probably the best counter-attacking side in the world. Um, to do that and then have Mohamed Salah or Sadio Mane in one-on-ones with space to attack. As Paolo Di Canio said on Sky Sport Italia yesterday, if Inter do that, then arrivederci Inter, ciao ciao, it's going to be over because these are just too these these players are just too good. Um, what, what, I mean, what, what, what do you, what if we switch that? What weaknesses do Liverpool have that Inter that could could potentially use based on this season that you see? Okay, well. Let's take, for example, the first match between Liverpool and, and uh, AC Milan. So um, Liverpool pretty much dominated that first half. Um, and then it got towards the end of the first half, roughly like 40 minutes in. And then Liverpool, for no reason whatsoever, just started leaving loads of big spaces in midfield. You could just drive buses through it. 
and then they're just uh, AC Milan, sorry, just very quickly got two goals. And and that's what Liverpool have had a tendency to do on occasion in games this season. They they get ahead and then they just shoot themselves. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And so um, another example would be the Brentford game. Uh, another one would be the Brighton game when we were tuning up. Um, in the Brighton game in particular, it was just maddening because uh, Jordan Henderson was playing number six that day. And you're number six when you're tuning up. All you need to do is just sit in front of the defence. And he was in the box and open play trying to score. <laughs> um, so, so, And then we could see the two. It was maddening. And, and we can see the two goals that day. And it was just a case of like, and it's not just to put it all on one player, but that's just to give you an example. It's like yeah, yeah. the risks that they take in those moments, they're, they're just not needed. The, the sort of uh, risk versus um, reward. Uh, reward factor there is, is zero. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> just don't do that. But yeah, and that just gives you an idea. The, Liverpool will have those moments where some sort of craziness can just set in just for a little bit. Um, but then again, against AC Milan, the first game, they recovered and, and they ended up winning the game. So that's the, the big strength of Liverpool is this season, when they go behind in games, they, they go on to another level that teams just can't really cope with. Like, um, their XG, again, the probability of scoring shots, um, when they're just like a goal behind, it pretty much doubles from when they're tying games. So they just go all out. Uh, they go a goal behind and they're going to try and kill you. And that's that's ridiculous. You, and it's something where um, Liverpool amass a lot of points once they go ahead, uh, once they go behind. And for Inter, it's kind of the opposite. Um, Inter have dropped points this season from leading positions a lot. Um, Inter sort of open up when they go behind doesn't really make any sense but when they go sorry when they go ahead they they're more likely to concede than when they're drawing games based on xg um they just sort of want to be more open and maybe try and get a second goal to kill the game off and that's seen them drop a lot of points this season um i, I was looking at the data on it and to give you an example inter have taken the lead more than any other team uh, which is like 22 times in 24 games but yet they they haven't always won those games they, mm. they've they've dropped points i think it's like seven or eight of them um, so yeah, whereas Inter are also good at getting back from behind. They're probably the best team in Italy. Um, they've won back three more points from losing positions than any other team in Italy. Um, and it's pretty much like double the league average. So the, the one thing I'd say in this game is whoever scores first probably doesn't necessarily win, um, which is usually a rule in Europe, I'd say, for games. You usually see teams get a, get the first goal and then they're pretty much going to win the game. But, but in this game, both uh, Liverpool and Inter have the ability to drop points when they're ahead or win points back when they're behind. So so it looks like it could be a very entertaining game for the neutral. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to hand you over to Mo. Mo, did you have a question for Stephen? Then the floor is yours. Yeah, hi, Stephen. Um, I wanted to Hello. you know further expand on uh, what Nemo was asking. Um, so if you were Simone Inzaghi and your primary objective was uh, not to concede and your secondary objective was to potentially score, uh, knowing what you know about Liverpool, um, how would you tactically line up this Inter? What 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 sort of team instructions would you give the guys? What sort of game plan would you play out if this was your your goal? A not to concede at home and B potentially to uh, to to score a goal or two. Um, uh, how would you approach match? Uh, yeah, it's hard. Um, that's the thing I would say. Uh, Liverpool have a record this season of scoring pretty much against every every team they've played. And for a while, they were cons- they were scoring like two goals every game up until I think it was like November, December. They, they were just at a relentless rate of scoring goals. I think it's maybe too hard not to concede. 
what you probably want to do is is just uh, to, to try and get a goal and then try to maybe get another on the counter attack would probably be the game plan. In, in terms of how you do that, it, it kind of gets problematic because if you sit back in a low block or a medium block and, and sort of let team let Liverpool have the ball in front of you, they will create some chances. They'll get crosses into the box. They'll win set pieces, and that's where Liverpool are really dangerous. The, the um, they, they score like the most goals in, in uh, Europe from set indirect set pieces. Um, they've got like 11 from corners, and uh, I think alone. Um, Inter are good also from set pieces, of course. They've got like nine, I think. They're the second highest. So, um, again, that's another thing where it'll be interesting. It's just set pieces for the game. Um, but you can't really just sit in a low block and, and not have any plan to sort of just sort of weather the storm because that alone just probably won't work. Um, the, the other thing I would say is Inter do have a tendency to let a lot of teams have the ball in their own half. Like, um, I think they've allowed something like th- a thousand passes more in the opposition's half than Liverpool this season. Um, so Liverpool are kind of relentless, obviously, in pressing up as soon as you win the ball back. And they're not going to let Inter have the ball in their own half. They'll push their high line up, try to catch you offside. You'll have lots of rushed clearances or long balls, hoping to try and hit Liverpool on the counter. Um, and I think that's how it'll probably play out. And it's a case of whether you can break that offside trap or not will be crucial, I guess, to getting anything from the game. Um, in terms of Liverpool, that that press that they do, they, they win the... I mean, if you saw the the games in Europe this season, they won the ball back so often high up the pitch. And I think it's a case of that relentless pressing is something that teams don't face that often. So it's kind of like a shock to the system the first time you face it. You're like, oh my God, this pace is ridiculous. Um, and, and it could be that the pace of the game is something where they need to try and take it out as soon as they can, just dull the game down, which kind of goes against what you try to do at home, obviously. You want to set the tempo and keep a high pace and try to get ahead. It, it might be the exact opposite they want here. They don't want the high pace. They want to slow the game down and, and try to keep it at nil for as long as possible and then try to work their way into the game once they adjust to the tempo or set the tempo. Um, but ultimately, I think that's always what, in every sport, always what it comes down to is which team can impose their will on the opponent. Uh, and, and it's a case of whether Inter can can do that. They can slow down the game and take the, the sting out of it, I guess. And for Liverpool, it's whether they can set a high tempo and whether, again, the referee, if the referee is going to be someone who lets things go or if he's going to give every single nitty foul, that will play into one team's hand or the other. Yes, that's a really good point. Jake, did you have a question for Stephen? Thank you. Um, well, as a UK-based man myself, um, I, I know quite a lot of Liverpool fans and discussing the game with them. Uh, I've sort of got a bit of mixed feelings from them. Some seem to be quite pleased with the draw, thinking that given Inter's lack of Champions League experience over the past few years, it might be one of the nicest sort of draws they could have got. Um, do you believe from a Liverpool point of view that it's quite a favourable draw? Do you think Liverpool are comfortable favourites to win this or um, is it quite clear amongst Liverpool fans that they're quite wary of Inter? Yeah, I think there's like uh, people in both camps, I guess. Um, what I would say is one of Liverpool's downfalls um, in the past has been uh, teams that have successfully disrupted games like Atletico Madrid, Um uh, when they went out uh, last year, um, and if you can, uh, I don't know how, I don't know what the terms you would use for, it, but we call shit housing. Basically, if you can just disrupt the game as much as possible, waste time, and do stuff like that, it, you can get the Liverpool. Uh, you can bother them with it. 
And um, I, I think, uh, like, it, again, it's that thing of being really hard to judge Italian teams um, because all referees are different. And it, it, Italian football seems to give a lot of fouls for things that maybe wouldn't be given as fouls in other countries. But if if, in, if Inter are good at that side of the game, and you guys will know better than I do, if they're good at sort of disrupting things whenever they're ahead, or even Tang and they just don't want to concede, it'll it'll be very, very effective, I guess, against this Liverpool side. Well, that's exactly what Inter can't do, and that's why they've conceded so many goals <laughs> from leading positions. They can't kill, you know, because they're not built like that. Simone Inzaghi isn't built like that. Uh, yeah. Even though he tries to, I mean, if it was Max Allegri, he would he would have you so frustrated you'd cry tears of blood, because that's just how he does. But but Inter don't do that. Simone doesn't do that, and that's why again why I'm so why I've been fearing that Liverpool was was one of the teams. Liverpool, City, and PSG were the teams I absolutely under no and Bayern Munich were those teams I absolutely under no circumstances wanted to meet in this at this early stage is because of that Inter can't yeah. shit house. Uh, they don't have the players for it, um, and they they don't have the coach. If it was Antonio Conte, I'd not be worried because he's a different, he's a system manager, he's so well prepared. Yeah. Hey, 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 solid. hey, Nima, Nima, what? What? Nima, what? Arturito, Arturito is he's a hundred he's a hundred and seventy five <laughs> years old. He can barely walk. I mean, what? A, don't say Arturito to me. Yes, if this was 2009, 11, 12, 13, yeah, that Arturito, yes. But did you see this Arturito that jogs and can't can can barely breathe after he runs? I mean, come on. Like it's. I mean, it's it's no, no. I mean, I, I you know what? I'd play Gagliardini, Artur, Arturo Vidal, and I don't know Ranocchia in midfield. Like you know, what I mean, like, just build build a build a wall you know what i mean like get donald trump in there build a goddamn wall in the middle like this 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 is like you know it's it's inter don't do that and with with barella and brozovic yes they're good gritty players and they can win the ball and and but barella's not there because he's suspended so yeah. who do you play so no i i am absolutely scared of this i really am um and 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 i hope and i'm hearing that he's going to play matthias vecino which is uh it's, it's just the reaction I have to that. Um, but before we let you go, I mean, what players? I mean, we all know Liverpool's players. They're all world-class players, every single player, pretty much. Um, but it, which players at, at Inter do you feel that, like, from the Liverpool camp, that they're a little bit worried but worried about and need to pay extra attention to? Um, Lotaro is a player I, I love watching. Um, he... Yeah, he, he's one of my he's one of my favorite players uh, in the world actually. Um, uh, he's just very very good at making space, uh, and just playing in little tight spaces. He mm. can just get out of them so easily. Um, so true. And so true. I, I think that's um, again the key thing is that ability to escape pressure, which he has, and mm. the ability to play a pass in behind that Liverpool line quickly. Yeah. So if yeah. he can escape pressure, get turned and face Liverpool before they can retreat, he could kill them. Um, and that's he would be the guy that I'm most afraid of. Um, mm. Is definitely Lotharo. Um But yeah, well, I luck, always luck, Bert, luck, would be luckily the other one he can't score. Bad. Luckily he can't score to save his life. He needs about 1,100 chances to score. <laughs> but so 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 you know you're 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 lucked out there. But I do agree that is his strength. That yeah. is that is his movement between the lines and his link up play. That is his absolute strength. Um, but Barella obviously one, isn't there. But I mean, that, yeah. The, the other one I would say would be um, Hakan. Uh, he's just really good on set pieces. Um, mm. And Liverpool, uh, Inter are really good in the air. They have 
Um, I think they're one of the top teams in Europe in terms of winning aerial duels. And you've scored nine corners this season, which is like second highest in Europe. So I, I think set pieces could just be a big thing in this game. Um, and it, I think Inter fans, probably, Inter fans probably worry about facing Liverpool because they're a big, uh, strong side. Um, they're just so relentless when they press, and it just looks scary when you're watching them. But a game is... How a game is in paper and how it actually gets played out are massively different things all the time, especially knockout games. It's like Liverpool played uh, Leicester, I guess, um, around Christmas, um, and they battered Leicester and lost 1-0 because Mo Salah missed a penalty, headed the rebound off the bar. It's a lottery. It's random. And that sort of variance and randomness in football is what makes it so fascinating. And, and I can see like a dozen ways that Inter can just cause problems, um, especially set pieces. Um, and, and just picking off the high line because they've got some guys that are good at escaping pressure. So it's as much as uh, Inter fans probably worry about Liverpool, it, it, Inter could easily win the tie because they've got mm. all the qualities you need to beat this Liverpool side. But it you'd obviously give the advantage to Liverpool, but it doesn't doesn't mean anything. It's not worth anything. It has to actually happen on the pitch. Well, of course, of course, that's absolutely true. But if I'm perfectly honest, I, I give him the 10, 15% chance against this Liverpool, also given the form. I mean, it's without Barella as well. I mean, with Barella, I'd say we'd have about 20, 30%. But Barella, Barella being gone for both ties because of an idiotic box to Diego Militao's, uh, what's the name, Militao's leg for no reason whatsoever. And, and he's, he's gone two games for this. So, yeah. Well, well, yeah, um, yeah. The, the thing I would say is uh, 538, which is a site that's um, got a guy called Nate Silver in charge of it and has lots of algorithms that run predictive models, etc. They give it uh, 29% enter, which is what you said, 30%. Um, and they give it 71% to Liverpool. But again, I'm assuming that's inclu- assuming everyone's fit and everything. Um, and Inter are missing some key players. The other thing I would say is Liverpool are missing no one. They've they've got a fully fit squad for the first time. It's it feels like the first time ever. Um, Liverpool's midfield options this season have been ridiculous at times. Like they've always been without at least three of their best uh, midfielders at any one time, and so they're sort of patching together midfield. But but now they've finally got everyone fit. So, so that's where it's very interesting from from my point of view is just the fact that we can pick a whole, from a full squad and we've got Luis Diaz coming in obviously that's like a an added attacker we didn't have whenever we won the group. So it's it just feels like everything's going our way. And whenever that happens, that's when I'm the most afraid because it's just, nothing goes your way. Nothing. As soon as you think you're comfortable in football, everything yeah. goes wrong. <laughs> yeah, we know that from the derby where everything was speaking for Inter, and that's why I was petrified and we ended up yeah. losing it. Um, and as for Nate Silver, you kind of scared the shit out of me there because Nate Silver was also the guy who said that Hillary Clinton was going to beat Donald Trump by 90%. And that <laughs> did not go well. So I don't. when you say Nate Silver gives us 29%, I don't know. If I'm supposed to be happy because it means we have a bigger chance, or that we're completely screwed. Yeah, well, I don't trust Nate Silver. <laughs> the, the thing about a 90% chance of winning is it means you have a 10% chance of just not winning. And I guess we live in that <laughs> shitty enough. 10% universe where everything goes wrong. <laughs> Fair enough. As the last two years with COVID have proven. Yeah. Um, right. Thank you so much, Stephen. If people want to find you on Twitter um, and on social media, what's your handle? Um, and 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 have you got if you got something coming out, then feel free to, you know, plug it. The floor is yours. Thank you very much. Uh, yes, I'm at Baba Yagu on Twitter. And uh, my account for posting most of the football analysis stuff would be at Crackstats. We've also got a podcast, um, which um, has been on pause because I'd lost all, I broke all my equipment. 
um, and I had to get new stuff imported because in Brazil it's just crazy expensive with taxes. So, um, and now it's arrived, hence why I'm on this podcast. So the podcast will be starting up again soon. Uh, and it, it's kind of interesting because it's um, my aim is to try and get people on who don't really get interviewed very often. People who are like, uh, like we have an expert on biomechanics and I've got a, an expert um, goalkeeper analysis guy who, who looks at data. Um, I've got a guy who's working as a scout for a Belgian club. Um, and I try to get people on who are sort of obscured um, and not really interviewed much on, on football stuff and, and just ask them uh, as much as I can about everything I can. Um, and then also, I, I also talk a lot as well, as you can imagine, as you've heard. Um, <laughs> and uh, I also get a guy on who, who just makes me laugh. And we just try to, if you ever watch fantasy football as a kid in the UK, we try to be a bit like that, like not take everything so seriously and just joke around about stuff and talk about how much we dislike match of the day. And that's pundits. <laughs> so, so it's a bit like that. Thank you so much, Stephen. That's excellent. Thank you very much. And on Instagram, if is it, is it Baba Yago as well, or are you not on there? Uh, I, I've, I've stuck. I hate social media. I only use yeah. it because I have to. Um, but yeah. so like, just one is enough. If yes, it is. It is. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. I'm with you 100%. Thank you so much, Stephen. Enjoy the 40 degree, uh, the 40 degree centigrade and the popsicles. And I'm jealous as hell because I don't live in 40 degrees centigrade eating popsicles at this hour. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Take care, Stephen. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Right, Stephen Drennan there from Krakia Stats, um, Liverpool.com and uh, the Empire of the Cop. Make sure to check his work out. He's, uh, he always, um, he, he, he's a good follow um, on Twitter and I've followed him for a few years now. Um, so uh, definitely make sure to check that out. Right, let's talk a little bit about uh, the Liverpool game, shall we? Mo, uh, well, you've heard that Nate Silver gives us a 29% chance. So do you feel more more optimistic after hearing that? Or what do you hear? What do you feel? Um, look, no, I, I, I don't care uh, about, uh, you know, uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know what algorithm knows more about, you know, footballing intuition than, than I do for my current state. I think, I, like, like I said a couple of weeks ago, I believe that was even after the, the Barella uh, suspension. I think it was only a suspension of uh, one match at that point in time. We didn't know it was going to be for both games. But anyway, uh, I digress. <clears throat> I think we have a, a reasonable chance of progressing. I also think, like uh, Stephen was saying, uh, just when you start thinking that things uh, should be going well for you is sometimes when, you know, in a footballing universe, when things don't go according to plan, Maybe, maybe that, maybe it's true. Maybe it isn't. I, I don't know. But I just, I have this feeling that this Inter is is going to do something. I think, I think ultimately the most important thing is to get out of this match, the first game uh, in San Siro with a clean sheet. If that happens, then you know, anything, a- anything's possible in uh, at Anfield. But uh, you know, again, like Stephen was saying, it's 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 practically. Um, you know, impossible to uh, keep Liverpool from scoring, uh, particularly if you decide to do it in a manner that is not in line with your footballing DNA. Like you said, Nima, you know, Inzaghi's side is not built for uh, uh, gritty defensing, uh, defending uh, 90 minutes of uh, low block, uh, <laughs> disrupting play, so on and so forth. So, so 
honestly, I, I don't know how I'm, I'm fascinated to see how Inzaghi is going to approach the game. I, I hope that uh, whatever he does, he does it with confidence and, you know, he picks like it, it's it's a clear direction. It's not like a, a mishmash of uh, multiple ideas that he tries to string together in a way that just, you know, we end up doing nothing quite well. <laughs> You know, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. But, yeah. It just not, none of it becomes good if you try to do seven things at once. You end up doing yeah. none of them well. Um, I think that's a really good point. What about you, Jake? What, what are your feelings going in? Uh, I mentioned in my article yesterday that I think it's possibly the worst time that Inter could be playing Liverpool. I think when we look back at the fixture schedule maybe six, seven weeks ago, um, since the draw's been uh, made, it was always going to be a crunch period. And, um, you know, you just alluded to it then. The result against Milan has really sort of panicked me a little bit. Um, I keep trying to sort of think about the idea that it is a long season. Inter did lose games last year. They are going to lose probably more this season. But the manner of it concerned me a little bit. And I wasn't massively impressed on Saturday either. Um, so, with all due respect to both Milan and Napoli, Liverpool are a better side than both of those two teams. And if you're taking those on with that team on without Barella and Bastoni, two massive players, it's going to be a real struggle. Um, I'd happily take a draw from the first leg if I was offered it right now. I think that'd be a massive result. Um, I'm really, I'm really struggling, um, especially when you think of where the goals are going to come from as well. You know, Lotaro famously. Is, blunt as anything at the moment so is it to play alexis sanchez who's yeah that's best? the thing though i that's that's the thing though that i i think he's going to start alexis now whether he starts jeko or lautaro next to him that's the question um that, that seems you know that's the that's the that, that's the question that needs to be answered here is it alexis i think if you play alexis in jeko you're getting a little bit too much of the same thing because Alexis likes to move move between the lines uh, in that number 10 role, classic number 10 role. Well, so does Jekyll. He's been doing that as well a, lo- a lot this season. Um, and you get that with, with Lautaro, you get some, you get other skills. So I, I think he's going to start Alexis. Um, and I'd, I'd rather have, I don't know, I, I keep changing my mind, but I just, I feel that it's better to play with Lautaro and Alexis than it is to play with Jekyll and and Alexis. That, that's my feeling. I don't know. Well, what, what do you think, uh, uh, Jake? And then I'm going to ask. I want to ask uh, Mo as well. Um, I, I think we've sort of learned throughout the season that Jekyll and Lotaro don't complement each other perfectly. Mm. Um, it's it's tough to argue that as well when you consider how well Lukaku and Martin has worked over yeah. two years. So anything in that respect is going to be a little bit of a downgrade. Um, I'm with you. I think if I'm going to start Sanchez, I'll be starting him alongside Lotaro, um, just because it gives a bit more fluidity. Yeah. Uh, I, I, also, I also don't think Jekyll's great at necessarily holding the ball up either. Last few games, I've seen him drop quite deep. We don't want to be playing against Liverpool dropping deep. Um, the only chance you've got of, sc- of scoring in a way, like Stephen said, is playing against that high line. Two players who can move in around the space. That's exactly what I'm thinking. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. What do you think, uh, Mo? Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I think with the loss of ability uh, due to uh, Barella suspension, I definitely think that we need more mobility up front anyway. So, um, like Jake said, you know, uh, someone who can hold up play uh, doesn't need to drop deep, but moves into empty spaces. And so I think, yeah, you're right. I think uh, Sanchez uh, with Lautaro, 
would be uh, would be my choice as well. Mm. All right. Well, then it's prediction time. We have to do it. Um, what what do we think is going to happen? I'll start with you, Mo. Yeah, look, I, I don't know what I think is going to happen. I'll tell you what I hope happens. I hope it's... Well, we know there. what you hope. We, we know no, what... I mean, like, you know, like, I, I, <laughs> I really do. I really hope it's a, it's a, a really ugly, boring nil nil. That's, that's what I, that's, that's all I can hope for. I could say, you know, I hope for a nil nil and then maybe, uh, you know, uh, a, a Vecino or, or a D'Ambrosio, depending on who uh, subs in for Bastoni, uh, scoring at the far post to the corner towards the end maybe maybe you know a la Tottenham um, at the San Siro in the first uh, first season back <laughs> in the Champions League maybe but uh, I mean objectively objectively as objective as I can be with all my optimism I think I, I can uh, I, I, I'm predicting a nil-nil I hope nil-nil I'll take a nil-nil I'll, I'll take any draw and if Inter can also con- not concede, that would be even brilliant. But I, I think we're going to lose this 2-0. I really do. I think we're losing this 2-0. Uh, I think your your fellow countrymen will will hurt Inter badly. Um, because I, I, I don't think Bastoni is going to play. Um, I think that, you know, if he can, they will. But I don't think he will. And I think in midfield, Vecino's going to play. Um, because he's more dynamic than Vidal. The problem with that is that Vecino is, 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 has got his own problems in terms of um, positioning on the pitch and decision-making, and you can't afford that against Liverpool. Um, so, no, I, I think a 2-0 defeat, which is fair enough, because then the game is over pretty much, and then we don't have to worry about it, and we can focus on the Sassolo game. What, what do you think, Jake? Well, that's a pretty, pretty bleak set of predictions for me to follow on from, really. Uh, if Mo's saying nil nil's the best we can hope for, I mean, it's not much point, is it? But no, I'm, <laughs> seriously, I, I'm, I, I never like to predict a defeat because I always think it's a bit miserable, but I can't say anything beyond this. And I think one thing that Inter really need to take a little bit of sort of credit from in some kind of ways that you're playing against Liverpool here. I mean, I don't like saying this because as an Englishman, you're not really meant to like Liverpool if you don't support them, but they're a fantastic side. You they know, are. Come they from really one of the best teams in Europe. You know, yeah. like the names you've just mentioned to Stephen there, Nima, you know, you're talking Bayern Munich, you're talking Manchester City, PSG, yeah. Liverpool, you don't want to play those teams. Inter no, are not at that level yet. And they're not going to be unless somebody throws 500 million into Inter's team and they have stars all over the pitch and the league's better. You know, it's, that's all of a discussion. I'll get back to the point that we're going to make anyway. But um, I, I think they'll get beat 2 1. I think Inter will score because I think they'll throw everything at it. Um, but I, I think 2 1. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that that seems to be whatever. Yeah. And yeah. Well, Cool. Right. Well, let's um, let's turn the clock back a little bit. A, re- a reason why I also think that Inter will lose is because of a new problem that we've seen that I spoke about on this podcast last week and, and sometimes before, alluded to at least. And that is that Inter, Inter De, it was Stefan de Frey is, is, is Handanovic two years after he peaked when he was awarded the Serie A goalkeeper of the year. Um, and that's where Handanovic is. Now, the difference with Handanovic, in my opinion, is the fact that I think Handanovic is a physical peak. He's, he's, he's a physical decline. You know, he's older. He, you know, his reflexes aren't what they used to be and all that. And I don't blame him for Inter not replacing him. He can still do the individual game where he's outstanding, like against Napoli, where he was, in my opinion, probably together with Perisic, the best player on the pitch for Inter. But 
the consistency and the unforced errors are there. And But with De Frey, I'm not sure it's a physical decline. I think it's a mental decline. He's won everything in Italy. Um, and I think he wants, I think it's a new challenge kind of situation where he's pushing 30 um, and it's time to find a new challenge. And I'm afraid that until this, this is something that could affect Inter until the end. And I think it will against, against Liverpool. Um, and, and I'm worried because the alternative is Andrea Ranocchia, who I respect and love a lot as a person, but I don't think is, is good enough to play at this level. Um, to be f- perfectly honest. So, I mean, just going off, I mean, just looking at that Napoli game, we didn't, we barely have, we barely got a chance to sit down before Inter got completely outplayed because Stefan De Frey gave, gave, gave away a stupid penalty. And then the rest of the, the rest of the half, Inter were lucky to not be two, three goals down. And if they had been, the game would have been over there. Uh, but they weren't. And they were able to come back into it. They were able to, to build confidence because Inter dictated the tempo of the midfield in the second half. They took, they controlled the game for the second half. And that goal that Dzeko scored, uh, I mean, we're going we're gonna to have to talk about him because if we're talking scoring clutch goals, that's your man right there. I mean, the, the number of important goals he scored. But I do want to touch a little bit about Stefan de Frey. I mean, what did you think when you were watching that, um, Mo? Yeah, after I saw the VAR uh, replay of that uh, penalty decision, all I could think of is, holy shit, Nima's going to have a field day with this. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Look, I, I, I watched this game um, on my phone uh, because here in uh, the Middle East, we get uh, the city out on YouTube uh, for free this season, which is really nice. Um, so I watched it on my phone without commentary, and uh, because I was on my phone, I was off of social media either. So I, I finished the game completely devoid of you know uh, any sort of cataclysmic implosion that was going on on Inter Twitter, and I wasn't influenced by the commentators oohs and ahs either. And after 90 minutes, I thought, hey, that was a pretty good game. I was very, I, I thought, you know what, like it sucks that we only uh, we only managed to draw. Uh, it was a pretty crappy first half, but we were, had an excellent second half. We could have definitely gone, scored another another two, uh, one or two goals. And then I go on on Twitter and I'm like, the sky's fallen. You know what's what's going on? No, the sky has not fallen. I don't. I think that's exaggerated. It, it was insane. Yeah. No. 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 De Vrij is done. We can't win. The the. No, that's the exaggerated. Romani, bah, 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 no. Bah, no. 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 That's exaggerated. That's completely exaggerated, in my opinion. I think that's. But yeah. you, you you read the same tweets, right? Like it, it felt like it felt like the season was over. We can't <laughs> win for shit. Inzaghi's a shit manager. No, like he, he can't. He can't follow. Finish. Like I didn't say anything like that. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that you did. No, I'm saying that Inter Twitter, like Inzaghi yeah. can't win against the uh, Inter Twitter and Inter Facebook. Inzaghi can't win against big teams and. I thought it was a very good game, and Napoli were actually the luckier ones. I mean, we were both ultimately probably satisfied with the point, but considering how the last 45 minutes went, not, I would imagine Napoli were happier with the draw than than, than Inter were, you know. Um, so, so I, I honestly, I, I didn't beyond to be to be fair, like beyond the mistake of the penalty which was a pretty clumsy error. But I mean, I think it was just an, an individual error. It wasn't a, 
it wasn't a brain fart. It wasn't like uh, that other time when he mis miscued the, the header and, and and misjudged the ball fly, flying uh, fly, the ball back and whatever. I can't remember the game now, but uh, I, I think it was just a clumsy tackle, and, and it's anyone. It can happen to anyone. So. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, uh, the fact that you mentioned the rise decline and now we're looking out for it and seeing more and more uh, bits of evidence, you know, clearly doesn't do your um, pieces at the service. It's it's uh, it makes sense. But I don't know what to do with it. You know, at this point in time, no, we can't I, do anything I, with it. We've got to go to the end of the season with it. And, that, and but the only thing yeah. is it has to be addressed in June. Like, that's all I'm saying. Fair, fair, fair. I mean, uh, that you're. If this is, you know, if this is the conclusion, then I'm, I'm, I'm behind it. Sure. Because there's nothing we can do, and and I've been saying for on Twitter as well for a while that I think that maybe, you know, in 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 the Serie A, I would probably bench the Fry for a few games and play Ranocchia because I think against Ossiman in the Napoli game in the return leg, the Inter won. He was very good in that game. And so you know, together yeah, with Signor and Bastoni. No Ranocchia without uh, without uh, Bastoni, huh? Well, exactly. It's without Bastoni and 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 Skriniar is the, you know who's who's all I love, but is hardly he, he struggles with lateral movements. Bastoni's the quick one. Um, so no, it's I, I agree with that. I mean, if Bastoni plays, I'd play Ranocchia, no problem. Um, but but I don't know, and it, it's it's a problem because De Frey was. I mean, we're talking about a player who was the best defender in the Serie A not so long ago. And and it's a tricky one. It's a really tricky one. But no, I, I look. I think I think that goal. If Inter win the Serie A this season, Edin Dzeko's equaliser is will be one of the reasons and moments in the season where we can look back to and point and say that was one of the decisive moments when Inter, you know, firmed their you know you know took a took control or not control but firmed their grasp on the on the Serie A title because that equaliser. And keeping Napoli at bay with a game in hand and coming back from that dreadful half, which in my opinion was the worst half under Simone Inzaghi. Um, and and to to like and, and to even feel that you with a little, little bit, bit more luck, you could have actually won the game. After and coming back from that builds character and confidence. And that's the most important thing after a derby defeat where Inter dominated for 75 minutes, but still went home without with with nothing, thanks to our good friends Stefan de Frey and Samir Handanovic. Uh, who, as well as many other, you know, factors as well. But, you know, Olivier Giroud has never turned a player in his career, let alone now when he's 35 and has the mobility of a refrigerator. But it's, you know, that that happened against De Frey. Um, and that 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 leaves marks in, in the team's confidence. But to win against Roma and to come back and draw against Napoli in the way that Inter did it, that's really impressive. And that builds confidence, and that's something they will take take with them moving forward. And, and I think it's especially in this critical moment uh, in in the season. I, I think cannot underestimate these minor psychological uh, advantages that a result like the one against Napoli gives you. Because I think Napoli should, you know, Napoli should feel hard done by not to, you know, not hard, feel hard done by, but they should be disappointed not having won it. And they were, they were disappointed. I think with Inter. I was happy with the point. I said it last week. I'm, I'll take a draw any day of the week, and and if it came and the way and the fact that it came like that, the way that it did, that's just a bonus in my opinion. What do you think, Jake? Well, actually, I wanted to ask you a question. I've just been sort of pondering this thought, and I've always championed Stefan De Bruyne. I've always thought he's a brilliant defender, and I think particularly his first season when he was at Inter 
under Spalletti. I thought he was absolutely outstanding. And even at times last season, but I, I was sitting here thinking about it and for a while, out of the three, I would have said De Vrij was the most undroppable one. I would I obviously wouldn't say that on current form, but would you argue perhaps that as soon as Milan Skriniar learnt to play Conte sort of three at the back system, has he been better than De Vrij over that period, do you think? I think the first season when Conte came, I think De Vrij, uh, when, when, when Godin was there, uh, and De Vrij, uh, De Vrij was the best of, of, of all of them, out of Godin, out of Skriniar, out of Bastoni, uh, or sorry, no, the, the, yeah, the first season I think De Vrij, that when Conte was there, was he was outstanding. But the second season under Conte, I think that I saw a decline, a small decline, but we know that these things are exponential. Inter still won the title. I think Inter's best defender that season was Bastoni or, or Skrini and not Defray last season when Inter won the title. And and I and you see, I thought you could see a small, tiny decline. But these things are exponential. This season, I think, it's it's one of those situations that you're noticing it because it's costing Inter points and games. Um, and and I still think I still don't think that I don't want to think. Let me rephrase it. I don't want to think that it's a physical decline because he's barely thirty, and and defenders can play up play at a very high level until they're thirty four, thirty five, thirty six even. Um, so I don't know. I hope it's not that. I hope it's I hope it's more of a situation where you know he's been in Italy for almost a decade. He's won everything. He wants to try something else and you know to 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 fire himself up. Um, I hope it's one of those situations because that way Inter can sell him and get a nice bit of money and sign Bremer, who I think is much more adapted to Simone Inzaghi's style of football simply because he is so quick that he allows Inter to play with a, with a much higher defensive line, which suits Simone Inzaghi's football to the T. Um, but we know that there's going to be many a club after him because of the central defenders that are 24, 25 years old with those characteristics, they they are sought after. So Marotta needs to work his magic there. That's what I think. Well, well, but but going back to my question, Jake, what's your what's your what do you think about the, what we spoke about the Napoli game? Yeah, I think it was a frustrating watch. I think what you've mentioned earlier is pretty much bang on. I thought the first half was terrible. It was really difficult to watch. It was clunky. There's no um, real transitions being made from defence to attack into the like they were going to score. And one player who really isolated himself, um, I alluded to it a little bit earlier, was Latoro Martinez. Um, I think the hardest thing to accept from him is um, he's been a fantastic signer. He's a great player. He's got real individual quality. But he's never, at this moment in time, in my opinion, going to reach elite striker status until he can start winning games for Inter on his own. Because in games with a tight margin, especially big games, he sometimes has the tendency to sort of disappear a little bit. And these runs of form that he has during the season where he goes mm. six, seven games without scoring, I know he'll then go on a run where, like, I remember last season, he scored actually against Crotone, and then scored a couple of weeks after that. These runs are going to kill him. He's not at his peak yet, I understand that. But when you're looking for something to happen, Inter were getting plenty of the ball in that first half, especially down the flanks. Like like you said, Perisic was fantastic, I thought. Um, he, he was trying to be industrious. Um, Chalonoglu wasn't offering enough in that midfield area. That wasn't helping. But whenever I was seeing Inter's attackers, it was Jekyll dropping back 20 or sort of 
15 yards further back than what he should be and he's no mobility whatsoever so he's grabbing hold of the ball and I'm not really too sure what he's trying to do with it and it, it was just dying for Lotaro to get all the ball and try and make something happen a little bit they, they really miss having that striker that Lukaku would sometimes have that effect last season he'd, he'd take his the ball on his chest back to goal he'd turn he'd make a run he'd give a Hakimi down the right you're forgetting into a missing these plays and I think in games like that it is, it's highlighted I was quite happy with the way they came back in the second half I thought they were better but I was I was really happy with the draw if you said to me at half time this will finish in a draw I'd have been delighted and it does come out being a worse result for Napoli than it does for Inter but it does also put a bit of pressure on this game in hand. I think if it was Bologna mm. at San Siro, I'd be a little bit more confident because going yeah. away from home is not, never simple, doesn't matter who you're playing. No, no, that's a good point. Right, um, then let, let's move I mean, the Roma game was fairly simple. It was very emotional. Jose came back and, you know, they gave him a beautiful gift. And so there's not much to say about that in Inter 1. Cause, and, and now we're playing absolutely del- delicious uh, Coppa Italia semi-final where Milan start at home uh, on March 1st at 9pm and the second games will be played some point around 20th of April where Inter are the home team and just for everyone so they know away goals apply they don't apply in the Champions League when Inter play Liverpool but when Inter and Milan who share the same stadium in the same city play in Italy there's the away goals rule fantastic Go f- go make of that what you will. Um, but um, so so those are the, the, those are the that's the situation, and we'll, we'll discuss that more closer to the time. But let's um, let's focus on Sassuolo because we will pl- be playing that game potentially or one hundred percent without Marcelo Brozovic, who's reached the yellow card um, r- ceiling, where he will he gets an automatic one game suspension. But potentially also Alessandro Bastoni because Inter have appealed that second game that second match suspension and we don't know the result of that yet um so potentially Sassuolo without Brozovic and Bastoni now if you want to talk about games that I that I'm focused on and more and, and worried about it's this game because I'm you know Sassuolo uh at home they are they're a bogey team it doesn't matter when where Inter plays Sassuolo they're a bogey team for Inter and this Sassuolo we saw against Noroma and we've seen throughout the season against Milan they can hurt you they're a young team they're a very exciting team with lots of potential they can sometimes you know zoom out of games because they are that young but they can hurt you and they can easily beat Inter and Inter who's in a little bit dodgy form coming from a midweek game in the in the Champions League I am worried about this game, and this is the one that matters because for me, the Champions League is a bonus. Inter aren't going to win it, and and I don't really care if you know about the Liverpool after the Liverpool draw. I'm like, just don't get humiliated. For me, the Serie A title is important. Winning that second star this season is incredibly important. Um, the Coppa Italia is important. They have to. I want them to. They, for the for the club's own self belief and confidence, it's really important to dethrone Juventus from all of these titles having done so on the super, in the Supercoppa and the Serie A, and to build a winning momentum and win two Serie A's in a row. That's incredibly important for Inter's confidence as a club. And that's why I am I, I this this is the game I'm looking to, the Sassuolo game. Um, what about you, Mo? What are your feelings going into Sassuolo game? Um, much more positive than you, uh, no, no doubt. I think um, I think Sassuolo are, are for sure, an, a, a tough player uh, 
a tough young side. Uh, <clears throat> all the attention uh, their players are getting on the market uh, now, um, I mean, is is testament to that. But honestly, I I think uh, after the Liverpool game, after this run of extremely difficult matches, uh, Atalanta, Juve, Roma, Napoli, uh, Liverpool, it's going to be a, a, a I think a considerable uh, step down in, in in quality, and I think Inter are going to be riding enough positive momentum from the I would say strong or decent run that they've done through these uh, eight eight weeks or so to be able to dispatch Sassuolo quite, uh, let's say, uh, effortlessly. <laughs> that's, that's very positive. Uh, what about you, Jake? What do you think? Well, I don't know how I'm going to follow that, actually. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's blow me. That's brilliant. I love that. Um, I, I really like Sassuolo. Um, I like watching them play. I think they've got some brilliant footballers. Berardi, Raspadori, Traore, Berardi, Maxim Lopez, um, Scamacca, who we're, we're linked to. Now, th- this is a team that can play football, no? Yeah, it, it, in all types of ways. I think when they're on form and it's fluid, they're an outstanding team to watch and they're tough to play against. Even the reverse fixture, it took a bit of brilliance from Perisic oh, yeah. with that cross towards Jekyll to actually unlock that game. So if the history books are anything to go by, Kinshili will grow six other arms and he'll be <laughs> a fantastic keeper as well too. I mean, I watched him, he was, um, wasn't this week or the weekend before, I can't think of the playing, he was dreadful. And I was even watching it on highlights, I'm like, well, he's just getting all that crap out there with for uh, when he comes to San Siro. So it, I think it'd be a really different game. I think they're one of the teams in the league that I look at um, aside from the top six, and I picked that as a difficult game. Definitely Ooh, away from home, and uh, you just you look at the plays that you just mentioned, the way they recruit, the style of football they play, and when they're on it and they're really sort of what well, the tails are up, should I say? They're really hard to play against. If Inter get pummeled by Liverpool, a three-nil reversal or something like that, it's not the game you want to be playing straight after it. I don't think. Yeah, I think exactly. it'll be a pretty tough match. Um, exactly. I think Inter might have enough, uh, just like they did in the reverse fixture eventually. Um, Sassuolo's defence is weak. Yeah, it is. Jason. That's the good thing. That's the good thing here. Their defence is weak. Yeah, and Ferrari that's suspended as well, I think. He yeah, yeah. So yeah. That, that could be quite helpful. Um, yeah. I, th- I think Inter might just scrape it, but mm. it won't be an easy game, no. No. I mean, predictions. I, I think Inter will win 1-0. Uh, I think Chalanoglu will finally score again. Um, what about you, Mo? And then I'll go to Jake. 3-1. Ooh, goal fest. Jake? <laughs> uh, I'm going to say 2-1. Uh, Caicedo, 88. Ooh, good old Caicedo. <laughs> right, uh, let's move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute with the Pisado, criticize someone or something heavily in the world of football, starting with the positivity, Morati, which is presented by Mr. Mohamed Nasser. He's, he works a lot, he's intelligent, and... He surprised uh, people sometimes with his uh, ideas. Not easy to find one person of this uh, qualities. So I, I believe this is the first time, uh, uh, despite uh, you alluding to how clutch he's been uh, for Inter so far this season, I think this is the first time he gets the Morati of the Week. Mm, it's it is. Eddie Deco. Uh, like you said, Nima, I mean, you've spoken about him pretty uh, pretty comprehensively all episode long. The guy, The guy has exceeded all expectations, but more importantly, has been there when it really mattered and i suspect like you say 
looking back at the season, maybe come May when we finally put that second star onto the jersey, we'll look at that Napoli game uh, as as a, as a as an important turning point. So I think uh, that goal in particular is could prove to be very important for the season. So Eden Zeko is the he's the Moratti of this week. I mean, it's not just that; it's just everything he does. It's it's the leadership. I mean, he's such a captain, isn't he? He's a leader on the pitch, off the pitch. You see how he, you know, him and Perisic, the, the roles they've assumed in this dressing room, um, on in the training ground, on the on, in the games, the way they talk to players, the the younger teammates, um, how they how they you know get them going and and try to charge them up. It's it's so impressive, and how he comes up clutch. Sassuolo away, Venezia at the at the death. Um, Juventus he scored against, Roma both games he scored against. I mean, the guy, no, it's it's been, you know, really applauds. You know, you got to applaud the guy. He really, really has exceeded every expectation and then some. I don't think anyone can ask anything more of him at this point in his career, given how much Inter paid for him and the fact that he's 36 in a month or, or in a couple of weeks. It's, it's just outstanding. Uh, right. It's let's move. Like, oh, perhaps as well, need to mention, just score yeah. on 47 after yeah. it was a really poor half as well. Yeah. I think that, that was really key as well, clutch to mm. the definition, really. Mm. Agreed. Right, let's move on to something much more comical, this week's Frog, which we presented by Mr. Jake Smalley. E clamoroso! Autogol di Ranocchia! Well, I wanted to give you a bit of a Valentine's theme. Um, I have just been sat here before coming on the pod, uh, <laughs> rapidly writing my Valentine's Day card at what is UK 8 o'clock time. Um, so I'll, I'll I'll use this opportunity to uh, bring a bit of football relation to this. So um, I was having a bit of a scroll before, and I'm a massive advocate of playing football manager. I've took into to multiple um, triplettes, so I'm, I'm probably better than Mourinho's manager, really. Um, <laughs> looking at it, we've got um, <laughs> a crazy story back from 2007. A little bit of a reminder this week, there's been a book published, um, known as Full Manager Stole My Life. One of the little excerpts from that uh, is Tim Pike, who took his wife on honeymoon to Bulgaria so that he could visit the town of Nesibar. Lovely place, by the way, I've been. Um, so he could see the second division side that he was managing the real world. He sent her off on and out with her friends so he could go and watch them. So if that isn't commitment to full manager, I don't know what is. <laughs> that is amazing. Um, are they still married? <laughs> I can't confirm that. Um, I'd imagine once you've read that book, I don't think you'd be best pleased. <laughs> it is lovely Nesibar. You know, it's a Fair lovely enough. place. So. Yeah, I mean, if everyone's a winner, everyone's a winner. Uh, right, let's move on to something much more negative. This week's mod which I'll be presenting myself. We've all heard this Zuma thing with the horrible instance with a cat, but I wonder if Graham Soonis didn't take it a step further with his comments and thoughts on this. Um, it's, it's genuinely astoundingly stupid to the point where I don't even know where to begin with this. So we all know what what you know what happened. Zuma, you know, there's the, these videos of him um, abusing his cat uh, uh, surfaced, and 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 it's it's horrible to watch. It's animal abuse, and he apologized and 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 whatever. But Graham Sunas decided to to talk about this, and his comment on this, and in his take on this was. And I quote, I can't, I've watched the video. I can't see the cat doing anything wrong on the video, end quote. I don't think it matters, Graham, because it's an animal. 
I, I don't think you can you can defend beating up an animal by saying he started it, mainly because that's stupid. Um, it's I, I don't even I mean I sh- I guess I should be happy because he should he probably usually based on Graham Sonis's usual behavior he would have found a way to blame Paul Pogba for it but but regardless he didn't do that instead he decided to somehow talk about how the cat didn't do anything as if like if the cat had done something it would be okay to beat a cat with a shoe it's just so stupid and it's always him so yeah this week's moji is is a, is Graham Sonis. Right, um, that's all we had time for this week. I'd like to thank uh, Stephen. I'd like to thank you, Mo, for coming on. Always a pleasure. Thank you for uh, putting up with my uh, ramblings today. No, no, it's, it's always nice to have your positivity to counter my 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 realism. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> no, it's always good to have you because you you do present a very thought well thought out case for why we should be positive, and and I hope you're right. I will I will take a draw any day of the week against Liverpool and a win against Asuola 3-1. Uh, Mr. Jake Smalley. Thank you very much. Um, I'm just currently sat here imagining a really weird scenario in Kurt Zuma's kitchen where the cat starts a fight with him. That's absolutely <laughs> absurd. Um, but yeah, th- thanks so much for having me as always. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks. No, it's, it's just another day in the world of Graham Sooners, isn't it? Um, just another Saturday afternoon for him. Right, uh, that's that's all we have time for. Uh, I'd like to, as, as always, I'd as always, as I said, I thank Mo. I'd like to thank Stephen and Jake. And until next time, take care of each other. Listen to your health authorities. Stay safe. Uh, three. Hope you get three points and a win against Liverpool, although unlikely. And more importantly, sempre e solo forza Inter.